Hello and welcome to the Life Church Audio Podcast. We hope that you find these messages encouraging, life-giving, and ultimately get you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. We are continuing with our series called Trinity, which is about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we've established that the Holy Spirit is not an it, it's not a thing, it's a person that lives inside every single one of us when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. He now is inside of you. He lives in you. And the purpose of him is not just to live in you and do nothing. The the purpose is he wants to produce something in you. There's something that he wants to do in you and through you. Now, when God wanted to use a word to explain what knowing him um, would look like, what knowing him would produce, the, the word that he used for believers is the word fruit. To explain what knowing him would produce, God used the word and the word is fruit. Fruit is God's spiritual reference of what our lives produce out of having a living relationship and experiences with him daily. God is concerned about what we produce. And what he wants to make sure is that what we are producing is actually reflecting who he is and what he is. His children should show forth who God is. Our fruit should resemble him. God wants you and me to be fruity Christians. And by fruity, I don't mean strange. Or or not, I mean, yeah, not weird. God doesn't want us to be weird Christians. It's not in the bad sense of fruit, meaning, meaning, um, you know, you know who I'm talking about. He, what he means is he means he wants you to be highly productive. So the Bible talks about fruit a lot. Uh, It says when a woman is pregnant, for an example, it says it talks about the fruit of her womb. That produces a child. It talks about our labor when we work. It talks about the fruit of our labor being productive. It also talks about the, when it refers to praise and worship, it, it refers to the fruit of our lips. Like what we are saying. And not just when we are singing, but when we are around other people. Is God bigger than the world? The fruit of our lips. So fruit In every one of those instances, from producing a child to having a productive workspace to having productive words, godly words, every single one of them has got the purpose to produce. We are to produce fruit. Now, we have seen and know that the greater our relationship with God and our understanding of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the greater our understanding and relationship with Him, the greater that is, the greater will be our capability and ability to produce accurate fruit resembling who God is. Because unfortunately, I think Christians have misrepresented godly fruit. So what we will look at today is, is what Paul is saying about the experience of fruitfulness in the lives of believers. Now, we are going to look uh, this week and next week about the fruit of the Spirit. The week after that, we are starting with the gifts of the Spirit. 
God has gifted every single one of us with a gift that comes with the Holy Spirit, from the Holy Spirit. And we're going to look and we're going to explore it and we're going to look into detail into them. But I firmly believe that unless there is a firm foundation of fruit, the gifts can be abused. The fruit is the foundation for the gifts. So, so we must have a firm understanding of what that is. So fruit comes and it has three characteristics. Number one, um, fruit's always visible. I never go to the grocery store and buy invisible fruit. Right? We don't do that. And I know for some of us, we go, you know what? Yeah, I'm in a relationship with Christ. It's just an invisible relationship. I doubt if that is a real relationship. Fruit is always visible. If you are accused of being a Christian, the question would be, is there enough evidence to convict you? And the evidence is the fruit. And what I do also want to be, be clear of here is um, some of us will be held innocent of charges um, of being a Christian with the fruit of the Spirit. And unfortunately, some of us will be held guilty of the charges of being a Christian, but not based on the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But I want to say based on the fruit of what religion and Christianity has negatively done in the world to impact people's lives. We are not called to guilt, condemn, burn, kill, slay people. That is not the fruit that is supposed to be associated with us as believers in Christ. So we are not building fruit based on guilt or condemnation. But the fruit of the Spirit would be evidence to show that we have a loving, caring, incredible Father whose Son died for all our sins and that have set us free from all the condemnation that will follow if we accept Him. The fruit has to resemble, remember last week I showed you when we poured water in and the water starts flowing out, that fruit that flows out, it's supposed to be rivers of living water. Fruit's supposed to give life. So number one, fruit has to be visible. Number two, fruit always bears the character of the tree. You do not find pears on an apple tree or cherries on a peach tree. The nature defines the fruit. The nature. So, so we have to make sure that the fruit that we are bearing, is it accurately representing who God is and what he has accomplished? The reason why lots um, of, of us, I feel, are misrepresenting who God is, is because we are representing two different covenants. We have the old covenant. It's where people came under the law. And based on their abilities and their skills uh, and their ability to be good, it would determine if they were saved and delivered, and then we have Jesus Christ who died for us. And after that, there is a new covenant where it's almost like two different agreements. My nature in the one agreement changes because of the new agreement. I don't change, but the situation changes my view of it. How I'm going to respond to it. 
It's like if you've got somebody who owes you a lot of money and they come into your presence, what you will do is you have this mindset of, of he owes me money and he's not paying it, right? There's this mindset of, of you are you stealing from me. But now when that person comes and he pays what he owes me, I am still the same person, but my view of him changes because the debt has been settled. So we must have an accurate understanding of the way God views us. The debt of sin has been settled. It's no longer outstanding. When you accept Christ as your Savior, Jesus is saying to you and to me, because of my sacrifice, your sin has been paid for. So there is a different um, fruit that we are going to bear because we are in a new covenant. And that's a very important thing for us to understand. I think many of us, we are misinformed. So the fruit doesn't look like him. Our walk and our talk and our actions, they don't reflect the character of God based on the new covenant. I almost want you to picture this and understand this image. So it says in Genesis um, 1, when God created the heavens and the earth, and then it talks about God walking in the garden after he created man. And he said, God strolled with Adam in the cool of the day. It's one of the most beautiful images. Um, I heard this, I want to say, I think when I was 19 years old, and it, it's never left my mind. The, the word that he used there in Hebrew is the word chulak. And the word itself means taking your loved one's hand and you are going for a nice stroll in the cool of the day. Like you are walking with a loved one in the garden. That is the relationship that God had with Adam before the fall of man. So what happens is when sin entered in, there was a separation that took place because sin separates us from God's presence. Why? Because sin in the presence of God will cause death. So God could not walk with man anymore. But now that sin has been dealt with, we are back at the place where God says, I want to walk with you in the cool of the day. Like holding a loved one's hand, I want to go for a stroll with you. Bring the puppy. God wants to walk with you. So your understanding of who God is, understand it is like we have returned. Christ is the new Adam. And we are in him. So fruit exists. It's visible. Fruit has to represent the tree itself. And fruit never exists by itself. And this is for us to evaluate our own lives. The only fruit you see eating itself is rotten fruit. Fruit exists so that someone else can eat from it. So if no one wants to eat from your life. People are cutting themselves off from you and nobody wants to have what you have. They don't want to partake in your life and what you are giving out. And what happens is when this happens, unfortunately for most of us, the result is not a humbling of ourselves and going, let me evaluate my fruit. For most of us, what happens is pride stands up, arrogance rises up, we become judgmental, we start accusing people for things um, we had when we planted the church, this South African. I don't know how many of you remember Daniel Vessels. Daniel Vessels, he was a Raki, which is in South Africa's special forces. He was as big as a truck. 
um, just this big man. And he used to be our usher by the door. And I remember him saying to me, you know what? Um, God has gifted me in in like when I see people walking towards me, it's like he shows me their sin. And I get so aggravated because I want to tell them just to stop, do it. And, and I said to him, Daniel, you don't need to understand. God's not showing the sin to you so that you should judge them. God's showing you the sin so that you will have grace and goodness and mercy and love for them. See, when the fruit is rotten... What happens is we become so isolated and then what happens is we start accusing and finding fault in everybody else around us because people stop partaking from us. And I know there's some hurt and there's some, some uh, it's hard. But listen, evaluate the fruit and make sure that you are representing godly fruit the way it is supposed to be represented because it is beautiful, it is attractive, it is tasteful. Instead of stubbornness and pride. So if there's something wrong, um, do something about it. But you say to yourself, um, if this is you and, <laughs> and you're listening and you're here, uh, please hear me. This is a loving message. The goal is for all of us to grow. So if there's something wrong with your fruit... I want to say to you, it might be what you are feeding yourself that's causing it. What are the reasons we have bad fruit? We're feeding ourselves incorrectly. You have to evaluate whatever messages you are listening to. Make sure it's preached out of the New Testament in the new covenant, the covenant of grace that we are under. Not under. You can't have a half and half. Jesus calls them in Revelations. You are half grace and half law. I will spit you out. Why? Because you are distasteful. The fruit is disgusting. I don't want anything to do with it. So what are you listening to? What are you watching? What are you thinking about? Is your mind focused on thankfulness and kindness and trust and faith? Faith in the sense of knowing, you know what? I know what's going on in your life. Now, instead of being angry at you or being upset with you or being discouraged by you, I am thankful that I know my God. He is so sovereign and he's got so much power that I can trust that he's got a plan for your life. And I'm going to continue to speak into your life so that that plan becomes everything it is supposed to be. Is that in your head, in your mind, or are you at a place of judgment? Judgment fruit is the most distasteful fruit there is. Paul talks in Colossians 1 verse 10, and he says the following, So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, and please Him in every way. Listen now. Bearing fruit in every good work. Growing in the knowledge of God. Now, I want you to notice something. Bearing fruit is connected with knowing, and knowing God is connected with bearing fruit. So remember, uh, I don't know if you guys can remember it. Um, our word for knowledge, for knowing in the Greek is the word epignosis, E-P-I-G-N-O-I-S-I-S, -I -I -S, epignosis. It means the following. It means precise and correct knowledge. It means we are full of knowledge, but we are also full of the experience of that knowledge. It's not just in the head. Epigenosis has to do with entering into an experience. 
Adam, it says Adam and Eve, Adam knew Eve and she conceived. It does not mean he had information about her. It means they slept together. But before they slept, they had sex. I know, I said sex in church. I know. <laughs> that was my daughter. <laughs> See, there was intimacy, and that produced fruit. So when he talks about having the full knowledge of God, he is talking about a relational experience with God. And that produces life. The problem is so many of us as Christians want to go to heaven, and this is the other side of it, but we don't really care about being fruitful on earth. I, I do marriage counseling, um, and I get nervous. Whenever I do pre-marriage counseling with couples um, who can have children, they have the ability to have children, but who don't want children. I'm very nervous when I speak to them and about their relationship because that means they don't understand one of the reasons for marriage. Why God created Adam and Eve and he gave them authority and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. There is instruction there given to us. Be fruitful and multiply. And then number two, what it tells me is, is that most often, they are extremely self-centered, and they do not really care about anybody else. Everything they have in their life, they want for their attention and for themselves. Don't interrupt my flow, bro. They point out that, um, um, you know, it's, it's just not for them, but the reality is they are missing the purpose of it. The point of relationship and marriage is to produce fruit. That's the purpose of it. What God is after for every single one of us is that our experience with Him will give birth to some luscious fruit. God wants you to have incredible fruit, Christ-like character, life-giving conduct, your behavior to be life-giving Valuable contribution, those three things, is what he wants from the fruit of the Spirit to produce in your life. Fruit of character, representing him. Fruit of conduct, meaning that your actions and what you are doing and what you are showing, when people look at your actions, they're going to go, somebody who believes in God. And then fruit of contribution. You are making a difference in other people's lives so that they become better. Now, most, if we're, we were asked, um, do you want, based on that, do you want to be a person that has fruit of character, fruit of conduct, uh, fruit of contribution? How many of you w want that in your life? I think most of us would say, yes, yeah, I want that. And that's a good thing. Do you want it to be, do you want to be a visible representative of who God is? I want, I want that. You want it reflected in your character and everything that you do. I want that. I don't want bad or bitter fruit that looks good until somebody takes a bite out of it. I don't want that. 
Let me ask you another question. Do any, anybody here know any rotten Christians? Don't look next to you. Don't elbow anybody. Any of you know any rotten Christians? They say they love Jesus, but their language is rotten. Their attitude's rotten. They've got a rotten disposition. Now, rot in the Bible refers to sin. It refers also to people stuck in sin. So it's people who are in sin, they have rot in their lives. But then also some Christians that, that are so sin-focused that they miss grace. They, they are rot-focused and not the finished work. They're so focused on everything that is wrong around them that they miss the amazing work that God has already done inside of them. And the work that He's doing in the people around them. And in their lives. And it's, it's one of those challenges which Mark and I, we often talk about. It's, it's we wish people can jump from here to there really quick. Because we know how good it will be for them. But part of being a pastor and a leader and in a church and being in a body. Remember the Holy Spirit baptized you into this body. Part of being in this means that we have to be patient with people's walk. Because they are not walking with me. They are walking with God. If they are walking with me, it means that I'm going to have to carry them all the way. And, and we can't do that. It has to be your walk at your pace. But there has to be a desire to change the fruit. And that's where it starts. Now listen, none of us are perfect. I want to make that clear. But what I am talking about is what should and could be normal for believers. Yesterday, um, one of the things that... Um, what Carla said earlier, we, sh we should speak over the leaders. Leaders had to bless one another with words and um, by encouraging them and what they see in their lives. And Ernie said to Bish, um, and it was so amazing. She said, when I look at you, the experience I have with you, your life presents every fruit of the Spirit that I can think about. That should be a desire of ours. I want to say again, none of us, we're not perfect. And even if you have some fruit, um, God is still busy working in every single one of us. But as believers, we should represent God. We should look different than the world. Our marriages should look different. They should be able to distinguish between Christ-like marriage and the world. There should be a difference. There should be a difference with how we conduct ourselves, with our finances, with our conduct in regards to alcohol and sex and everything else. There should be a difference. The fruit should look different than the world's fruit. We should not just be Sunday, Sunday fruit bearers. The moment we leave here, we're back to cussing like a sailor. So what's the problem? Why don't we have fruit in our lives? Is a question that some of you might wonder. How do I get fruit? How do I get more fruit? The, the first thing that I want to tell you is that fruit, Christ-like fruit, doesn't simply come with head knowledge. It comes with allowing God into your life so that you can experience Him on a daily basis. It is that simple activity of waking up in the morning and going, Holy Spirit, 
What have you got for me today? And as you conduct yourself throughout the day, you are constantly aware, praying, God, what do you want me to say? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? Is there somebody here that you want me to bless? Is there something here that you want me to do? It's that experience with God. And when we do that, when we respond to that, what happens is God becomes real in your life. By simply sitting back and think that it's going to become real because you heard about it, it won't happen. It won't. We have to experience God. No woman gets pregnant by having a discussion about sex around the breakfast table. She can talk about it. He can talk about it for years. And nobody's getting pregnant because discussion about the subject and knowledge about the subject won't produce the subject. There has to be an intimacy. There has to be an experience of intimacy in order to produce fruit. Paul says, I want you to be fruitful. He wants us to bear fruit. I want, to, I want us to, to be so fruitful that when people look at us, they go, wow, look at that person's life. Now I'm going to get into something really quick because this is so key. The Bible is so, so I want to say they, they want to make fruit so important to us that they've got a whole chapter on it in John 15. This whole chapter is about how to bear fruit. He starts off by saying, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Jesus is now getting to paint a picture for us. He's, he's busy painting a picture of experiencing God and producing fruit in as plain as way as we will probably find in the word. So he starts off by saying, I'm the true vine. Listen, I'm not fake. I'm the true one. I'm the one. I'm the real deal. And my father is the vine dresser. His job is to care for the vine. Now he goes to verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. He says every branch. Now that refers to Christians. Because if you are in Christ, you've become a Christian. So every branch is a Christian. Every saved person, every person that have said yes to Jesus, you are a branch in the vine. Now notice what he says, every branch that does not bear fruit. So we have fruit-bearing branches, and we have branches that don't bear fruit. There are vines that bear fruit. He does not say that you are not a Christian. He does not say that you are not in the vine. He says every non bearing fruit branch. Now, most of us, when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, we don't come with a full package of fruit and you lose them along the way. You come as a branch that has none Christ-like. You can dress up a pig in as nice looking clothes as you can possibly find, but it remains a pig. It's until you change the nature that it becomes something different. So you can have people in the world doing great things, but the nature is wrong. Our nature is we are in the vine, which is Christ Jesus. Now that we are in him, now our lives have to start to change. So he says there's none fruit-bearing branches. Then he says in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears, listen, much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So he starts off by producing much fruit now. 
So we have a much fruit branch. Now in verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. Now we have remaining fruit. So watch this. We went from no fruit to more fruit to much fruit to remaining fruit. That's our walk with God. That's our walk with Christ. So the fruit is grainy, uh, growing. We started with a branch producing nothing, but then um, it's, it's, he says he takes it away, and then a branch that is producing something, and then a branch that is producing more, and then that stuff that that branch is producing, it remains. It becomes yours. So he says in verse 2, and I think this is what some people get very confused on, it says in verse 2 that every branch that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Okay. If you ever go to wine country, Kelowna, wherever, South Africa, you know, beautiful wine farms. You can go on all these wine tours where they take you through the process of how they make wine. And you can see the vineyards. And what's beautiful is when you look over the vineyards is you see that the vines are tied to a post. And that uh, the vines are, there's a trellis that the vines are, are attached to. Why? Because grapes don't grow in the ground. See, if a branch lies in the dirt, it can't produce fruit. It's impossible because the sun can't shine on it. It can't shine on the bottom of the dirt. It's not that the sun isn't shining. It's just that the branch is in the dirt. So, so now what, what you have to do as a as a the one in the vineyard as the vine dresser, you have to take the branch that is in the dirt and you have to lift it up and then they would tie it to a trellis. So it's for your benefit. But if you're hanging around in the dirt, you can't produce fruit. One of the reasons we we are not producing fruit and we should is because we are Hanging too much in the dirt. That's why if you want to be a fruitful Christian, you have to make sure that you are at a place where you are told, now listen to me, who you are in Christ. So that you know your identity in Christ is that you are no longer a dirt dweller. You have been lifted up from that lifestyle. The word takeaway, and, and I'm going to spend just a few moments on this. This is so important because I think we've been so confused. When, we, when I used to re- read that chapter, it scared me because the last thing I wanted to happen to me was to be taken away from the vine, right? If you read it from the old covenant mindset, uh, co- concept of thinking of God, judging sin, We would read it and we'd go, man, if I'm not bearing fruit, God's going to take me away and throw me in the fiery furnace. But this is one of the most encouraging chapters in the Bible. This takeaway is the Greek word ero. Eros, and it means the following. Um, It means to rise, raise up. It means to elevate. It means to lift up, to raise from the ground, to take up, to raise upwards, to elevate, to lift with the hand. 
So when he says, he, the branch that I am the vine, you, um, my father's the vine dresser, whoever does not bear fruit, whatever branch does not bear fruit, the father takes away. What he is saying is, he's not removing you from the vine. He's saying he's taking you out of the dirt and he's lifting you up and he's tying you up so that you are at a place where you are able to produce grapes. Because grapes don't grow up. They grow down. See, dust and, and, and ground in the Bible is seen as unrighteousness. Meaning, I am not in right standing with God. So when he takes up a branch, what he is doing is, he's telling all of us who still think we are not in right standing with God. He's saying, I am removing you from that mindset of thinking you can no longer be in relationship with me because you aren't perfect. I'm going to take you up and I'm going to tie you to the trellis so that your thoughts is not about dust and sin and how I'm going to beat that sin, but your thoughts are going to be different. Your thoughts are going to be, who am I in Christ Jesus? It's like knowing that you've inherited a kingdom, but you still live like a slave. He said, I'm going to elevate your thoughts about who you are. I'm going to elevate your thinking about your identity, who you are in Christ Jesus. So that you no longer think, well, I should just be a dirt dweller. No, you shouldn't. I'm lifting you up. I'm taking you away. That's why you got to be in a church and in a body where when you go there, you leave and you feel, man, I'm encouraged because God spoke to me. I feel lifted up. I feel elevated. It is not my job to judge your sins. It's my job to tell you that Jesus paid for it. The gospel is the good news. It means the good news. So he elevates you, he lifts you up, and he makes you undevourable to the enemy. And so that takes me to the second part where he says, I'm going to skip quite a, quite a lot now, but let's just go to that. Where it says he prunes, he prunes us. Now the word prune um, also has two meanings. There's, there's two steps to it. The first, the word itself is the word katharos. It means clean. It means pure physically. It means free from corrupt desires, free from sin and guilt, unstained with the guilt of anything. Listen, prunes means free from guilt. That word, he prunes you. The word means he makes you free from guilt, free from the stains of guilt. That is major. Unstained with the guilt of anything, removing dust. When Jesus prunes you, he cleanses you. It's twofold. It's dusting and cutting. So the dusting first, the first thing that he will do is he will clean the fruit from the dust. So now he takes the branches. It says for those who are not bearing fruit, he will lift you up. So that you have the ability to bear fruit now. Why? Because you're not supposed to be in the dirt. And then he says, now that you've lifted up, those branches, now you start bearing fruit. So now he comes to the fruit and he starts pruning it. He cleans the fruit off. How does he do it? In their custom, they used a brush called the hyssop. The hyssop refers to Jesus Christ. They would take the hyssop, they would dip it in water, and they would brush the fruit. 
The water refers to the Holy Spirit and the washing of the word. So what God will do with us when we are surrounded in a congregation of people where, where we are lifted out of the dirt is he will take our fruit. He will dip the hyssop. Jesus comes and he literally washes the dust off of us. Why is that so important? Because remember in Genesis, when God spoke to the enemy and he said to him, listen, on your belly, you will sail for the rest of, so the rest of time. And what will you eat? You will eat dust. So why does he prune us? So that our fruit becomes undevourable for the enemy. He removes all the dust so that the enemy can't eat any of it anymore. The enemy can't steal anything of it. So then he goes on, he says he's going to cut. Um, there's a cutting off that happens. And I'm going to finish with this. Dave, yeah, you can come up. Um, the the cutting, cutting, the pruning that is cutting off. There are little branches that shows up on the vine that takes away some of the nutrients designed for fruit to grow. They are called sucker shoots. Sucker shoots don't bear any fruit. But sucker shoots... Suck out nutrients and energy and time and <sighs> emotions and, and thinking and sucker shoots. And many times, where, where's the sucker shoot growing out of? Out of the vine. Many of the sucker shoots seems like it's really good. It seems like a good idea to spend my time on that. But in reality, it is sucking the life from you and the energy that instead of you spending it on that, you can now spend it on God and growing your fruit. So he cuts the sucker shoot. These are diversions. It's distractions. It's things that take your energy, that are pulling you in the wrong direction. It might even present itself as something that is beautiful and growing, and, and, and it is not. Instead, it's distracting. Things can be sucker shoots. People can be sucker shoots. Causes can be sucker shoots. Politics can be sucker shoots. All of those things draining your energy. And instead, and I, for me, it's like what a sucker shoot will do is it's for a good cause. And then what happens is you start presenting yourself out there to people. And unfortunately, that sucker shoot has like drained out the goodness of God and all people see is ugly fruit. So he wants to cut those sucker shoots off also. I actually like the word sucker shoots. The, the, goal, the, the goal of that chapter is what? The goal of the chapter is for us to understand that God is on a journey with every single one of us and we have to be patient with each other. You've got to be patient with yourself. But the goal should be that you desire the sun more than you desire the dirt. That's where it starts. You've got to desire the sun more than the dirt. And when that happens is once you are lifted up and the sun starts shining on you and you start getting his word. When I preach a word, what happens is the Holy Spirit will, you know what's amazing about God? He knows what he's doing. It's amazing. So I can preach a word and I can think, man, I'm going to really focus on that. But then what the Holy Spirit's doing for you 
because you are saying, you're exposing yourself to the Son and saying, Son, I want you, I don't want dirt. Because you're doing that, now the Holy Spirit comes personally to you and He said, this is what I want to say to you in that word. I know Andreas is saying that right now, but I've got a personal word for you because I want to grow fruit in your life. It's not a general fruit, it's your fruit. And then we start growing fruit and we start seeing something produced in our lives. But there has to be a continuous desire for the sun. And then the word comes and it shines on an area in our lives. Not a person. I'm not the Holy Spirit. Word comes and he shines in the area and you go, yeah, I need to address that. And you know what will happen is when it's the Holy Spirit shining on it, whatever you are addressing, I, will, I believe, will change, will happen there. When you address it because I ask you to, it won't. But when you address it because he is in you saying, you ready for this right now. This change that you need to make right now, I am ready to work in you. This change can happen right now. And then he walks you through it. And then you, you keep dropping dust as you're going around. You just keep dropping dirt in a good way. Dropping dirt, dropping dust. Becoming more and more undevourable for the enemy. And becoming desirable for the world. That they want to eat what you've got. People come into your lives, they want to know, yes, what's in your marriage? What's in your relationships? What's, how, what's in, your, in your business? What's in your conduct? How can I learn from that? I want to eat that. That's what God's calling us to. Every single one of us. He wants you to be fruitful. Fruitful. Good fruit. Luscious, beautiful fruit. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word. And Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are so present in this place. And every single believer right now, you are there inside of them, speaking to them, desiring to speak. And Father, I pray that we will open up our ears and our eyes and that we'll be willing to hear what you've got to say. That we'll receive your instruction and, and the plans that you've got for us because we know that they are good. Father, that we will not allow insult or offense or any of those things to distract us. No sucker shoots allowed in our lives. Prune us, Lord, where you are, if that's your desire. For God to prune those sucker shoots away, I want to give you the opportunity just to say it to him. Prune those suckers away, Lord. I don't want to waste my energy on things that's not drawing me closer to you. Let my life be fruitful, represent you in everything that I do. We love you, God. Your goodness is so good. Thank you that you've lifted us from the ground from the clay, from the dust, and that we can stand and bask in the sun and know that your plans for us are good. We love you, Lord. I pray your blessing over every home and every family, every person. In the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Life Church audio podcast. 
If this message spoke to you, go ahead and share it with your friends and family. And let's get the Word of God into the lives of more people out there. For more information about us, go to thisislifechurch.com. And remember that we can make a difference by loving people.